Philippians 4, I believe it is, or Philippians 6. Let me look here real quick. Philippians 4, there we go. And 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, so Philippians 4 and 1 Kings 19. <clears throat> and we'll do a little Bible study tonight. You can keep your Bible open and we'll turn to several places. Uh, let you see the verses that we're talking about. And uh, if you're titling upstairs, the title of it is What to Do When You Have the Mully Grubs. What to do when you have the mully grubs. And all the old people are giggling. All the middle agers like, maybe I've heard that. And the young people are like, what in the world is a mully grub? And uh, uh, it is actually in the dictionary now. I don't think it used to be, but I think it was one of those words that people just kept saying and kept saying and kept saying that so they had to come up with the definition of it. And so uh, if you've never heard of it, the definition is this, uh, uh, despondent. That's a big word. Uh, 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 here's some, some of you got this one down, ill-tempered mood, ill-tempered mood, uh, so you always have the mully grubs, according to your wife, or maybe even some, uh, sulking, uh, some of you are good at that, sulking, or some of you might play these, and that's the blues, all right, uh, the blues, uh, I don't know if you play them or not, some of you uh, guitar players, uh, but anyway, that's what a mully grub is. If you're despondent, you're ill-tempered Ill mood, or you're sulking, or you have the blues, uh, you know, I don't know why you'd want to stay there. Uh, this type of weather sometimes puts people in that, that type of mully grub mood, uh, but this type of weather, all it does to me is put me to sleep, uh, you know, especially if you like have a metal roof. Uh, oh, my goodness, that's the best sleep in the world, metal roof and rain. That is awesome. Uh, but anyway, uh, some types, some things put people in that have the mully grubs if you're... Uh, you know, let's say, for instance, if your favorite college football team didn't win the national championship this year, you might be have the mully grubs. Mine did, so I don't have the mully grubs. So uh, let's see, if, if your b favorite baseball team won the World Series, you know, if yours didn't, you might have them. Mine, mine did, so I'm, I don't have the mully grubs. I mean, I am just in a great mood and, and so forth now. Uh, I'm not as confident with uh, Duke basketball. I mean, they still aren't in it. They're not out yet, but... Uh, uh, I might have the mully grubs at the end of March for a, a day or so. But anyway, uh, but anyway, the mully grubs, what to do when you're in the mully grubs. And the Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6, uh, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, be careful for nothing. And, and you little guys don't take this and use it against your mom, because you know, that's what she's going to tell you all the time. Be careful. Be careful. Get down. Put that back. Uh, don't carry that. Uh, be careful, and, and and so forth. And you want to, you know, swing from the ceiling fan and do backflips off the couch, and you know, put all the pillows uh, from the whole house on the tile so you can land and things like that. And she's screaming, "Be careful! Be careful!" That's not what this is talking about. You are supposed to be careful when you're going to do silly stuff like that. Uh, I've been told by the teenagers that I ought to write a book on how to do dumb things safe. Uh, because <laughs> I've told them stories and stories and stories, and they're like, man, you've done some crazy stuff. But, you know, I planned it out. So how to do dumb things safe, uh, that's not what that verse is talking about either. Uh, but be careful for nothing basically means, uh, if you look it up, and I did today to make sure, I took my Strong's Concordance and I looked up uh, where it's talking about this, this, ver this word in the, in the Hebrew and also in the Greek. Uh, basically, it just means anxious. 
uh, you know, be, it says here, be careful for nothing. In other words, be anxious for nothing. Uh, and then it goes on in, in, in a deeper meaning. It says, take no thought for. Uh, and some of you are really good at that, taking no thought for. Uh, anyway, uh, we won't point out who is, but uh, the Bible says in Matthew, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read them to you. Matthew six twenty five, the first part of it. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. It's right here in the Bible. So we're, we're okay to be clueless. It's all right. Uh, you know, take no thought. Uh, we're supposed to live in this non-anxious state. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat. And, you know, some of you, as soon as your eyes are open, you're thinking about, what am I fixing to eat? Uh, you know, what's, what's in there? Uh, and you go to the, store, the, the refrigerator. On your way there, you're trying to think about what you're fixing to eat. I, I don't think that's what it's talking about here. It's just not be worried about it. Uh, but anyway, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what, nor what ye shall drink. Uh, here's a good one. Nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Uh, some of you, it, it takes you an hour because you're sitting there in the closet and you're picking up stuff and you're hanging it back and you're picking up stuff and you're hanging it back. Or you might even have one of those mannequin things and you're trying out pieces and I don't look good together and you know you have a pile and you finally leave the house. Uh, I do believe that might be what this is talking about. Take no thought. Don't, don't put that much effort into it. Uh, as long as it's clean, ironed, and, and you know, somewhat matches, you'll be all right. Uh, so anyway, take no thought for what you shall put on. It is uh, the life or is not the life more than the meat. And so your body and your life is more important than your, what you eat and what you wear. Matthew 6, 34, a couple verses down says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Uh, some of us, you know, we freak out about what's tomorrow or two days from now and things like that. And we can't even enjoy this day because we're so freaked out about, you know, our doctor's appointment or our dentist appointment or, you know, our mother-in-law coming over or, you know, whatever. You know, you're freaking out about stuff. Uh, and, you know, you have to clean the whole house. Why? Because Cousin Joe's coming over for the first time and, and, and so forth. Anyway, take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Uh, thou shalt... Uh, take thought and the things of itself sufficient unto the day uh, is the evil thereof. Matthew six twenty eight. For why take thought for raiment? And then it says here, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And so got, what God's trying to say here in chapter 6 is quit freaking out about stuff. I got it. Uh, he's like, consider the lily. Uh, it can't do anything. And it's got all the nutrients it needs. Uh, it's got all the water it needs. It's got all the sunlight it needs. And I got it. And so that's what God's saying here when he says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't freak out. Uh, I created you. Uh, you're not a oops. Uh, you didn't sneak up on me. I knew exactly when and where you'd be born and exactly when and where you would live and, and all this stuff. I, I got it. So don't freak out about it. That's what he's saying. It, it doesn't mean don't, don't think about eating because you need to. Uh, and don't think about drinking because you need to. Uh, don't think about wearing clothes because you need to. Uh, but he's saying here, don't freak out about it. I got it under control. So now we're in uh, 1 Kings 19. And uh, the, 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 I guess he's the best example of, I could think of, of somebody that had the mully grubs. Uh, and, you know, Elijah, uh, he had just prayed fire down from heaven. And, I mean, God used him in a great way uh, and things like that. And then he hear, hears about one uh, Jezebel, I think that, that translated in the Greek as heifer, or, or the Hebrew, uh, he hears about one heifer uh, that wants to have him killed, and he's freaking out. Uh, and so God's like, Elijah, I mean, you were just last week talking to me, and we were, 
uh, burning up the whole altar and all the water and everything that you put on there. And where's that fire at? Uh, now you're thinking too much and you're, 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 you're anxious uh, and, and you're worrying, worrying about things like that. So let's look at uh, uh, 1 Kings 19 uh, and verse 4, uh, about the middle part. And so we see here the first thing that he does, that he had some faulty thinking. Uh, what puts us in an anxious move, what freaks us out is faulty thinking. And, of course, he said right there in, in verse 4, uh, he requested to die. He's like, this heifer is after me. She's going to have me killed. So God just let me die right now. I mean, he, he's, he's having faulty thinking. And then uh, the rest of that verse and the, and the third part of that verse, he had faulty comparison. Anytime we start comparing, we're going to get anxious because you're going to find somebody smarter than you. You're going to find somebody better looking than you. You're going to find somebody that's uh, got more money than you or more toys than you or, or has it together more than you. And you're going to be like, uh, and you're going to freak out. So don't use faulty comparison. He said right here uh, in uh, verse 4, for I am not better than, than my father's. Uh, and so he's, he's comparing. And comparison will get you anxious, uh, you know. I, I, you know, you compare yourself to somebody that does exactly what you do, maybe at your at your job. Uh, but you know, if you think about it, they might have been doing it for twenty years longer, so they should be better, uh, and things like that. But don't compare; just do your best. Uh, and the devil will get you all worked up, get you anxious, and that's what he was saying here. So not only did he have faulty thinking, he had faulty comparison. Uh, and then look down at verse ten; he had faulty blaming. Uh, this is what happens when we start thinking and we see people that are better at things than we are and we get all anxious and all worried and all bent out of shape. Then we start blaming. Well, and our, the whole society is this way. Uh, I mean, alcoholism is a disease. Uh, no, just don't drink uh, and, and, and so forth and, and things like that. So you start blaming everything. Look at verse 10 in the second part of it. It says here, For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. So he's blaming the children of Israel. This is why I want to die, because they've done this and they've done this, and it's always them and they And when we start uh, blaming other people. And in the last part of that verse, verse 10, he used faulty exaggeration. And some of you are good at this. Uh, you use words like, it's always, and it's really not. Okay, or every stinking time, and it, it's not, all right? And so some of you, you know, you're anxious about in this situation. It's faulty exaggerations. Uh, you know, I told my kids before, I'm fixing to break your leg, and their mom would freak out. Don't tell them that. I want them to think I'm going to, uh, even though I'm not. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm using this pressure thing here, uh, exaggeration. And it says here uh, in, the, in the last part of verse 10 there, and I, even I, am only left, or I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. And that was not true. Uh, faulty exaggeration. So when we get anxious, uh, it's because we're thinking too much or not thinking on the right person. Uh, we're comparing, and we shouldn't compare. Uh, we're giving you know, excuses and blaming people, and then we're exaggerating. And so uh, anxious people are easy to spot uh, because their face tells on them, uh, if it's not their face, it's their eyes. Uh, you know, they're, that, they're about this big around uh, or things like that. So uh, anxious people, are, they're, they're dead giveaways. And there's some in the Bible. Uh, Cain and Abel brought their offerings. God accepted Abel's and he rejected Cain's. And what did the Bible say? 
it says that his countenance fell. Why? Because he was rejected by God. And it was obvious right there. Uh, uh, again, some of my grandkids, they do that. And you tell them no, and it's just like. And I figured out where it's coming from, and I think we ought to throw it out. Cocoa melon. I don't know what in the stink a cocoa melon is. Uh, but if you've seen the little cartoon, Cocoa Melon, any of those kids on Cocoa Melon gets told no. All right, they're getting anxious. Uh, it's, it's obvious. They were told no. They ought, ought to just, okay, I was told no. Don't pout. Uh, what Cain do? And he walked off. Uh, he told on himself. Nehemiah and Nehemiah 2.2, 2, the king asked Nehemiah, why is thy countenance sad? Now, he probably had the poochy lip disease. Uh, his lip was stuck out. He was sad. Uh, and so, again, you see people, their countenance tells on themselves when they didn't get their way. Hey, don't, don't get that way. Just say, God's in, God's in control. He knows what's going on. Uh, and don't get pouty and sad. I didn't get asked or I didn't. What are we doing? We're thinking, comparing, exaggerating. Nobody likes me. I think I'll go eat worms. What are they doing? They're thinking and comparing and exaggerating. And so Nehemiah, why, why is your countenance sad? Psalm 10, 4 says this, And the wicked, through their pride of their countenance, will not seek after God. You can see that in their, in their face, too. You know, they, they stiffen up. And again, I'm enjoying that as well this week. Uh, Brian and Victoria are on their fifth anniversary, and Mimi and Pawpaw are man and a woman in and up, uh, watching the kids. And so last night, you know, we, we have Mimi and Pawpaw's Park. I mean, it's a swing set and a little playhouse, okay, but it's a park, I guess. Uh, but anyway, we want to go to the park. So we're out in the park, and so Pawpaw's pushing, and, you know, I had to build two new steps because the ladder was cracking and things like that. So we were out there. So it's time to go in. And uh, we have the hill in our backyard as well. Uh, if you have a septic system here in Florida, you know you have to have the hill, right? Because it won't go into the ground. So you have to have the hill. So they want to run up and down the hill, up the hill and down the hill, up the hill. And they did that 52,000 times. All right? It's time to go in. All right? Pawpaw's tired. Uh, and so everybody's going to the house except one. All right? And he, I think I just gave it away, is standing on the hill. And I was like, all right, let's go, Mimi. Let's go, Lily. Let's go inside. And, you know, Mimi's freaking out. Don't leave. I told him, let's go. All right, so we go over there. We open the little gate going into the back, and he's. And so we get to the screen porch, and we open the screen porch. He's, so we go to go in the house, and he's coming down the hill a little bit. And so I go, I go back out there to get him, and he goes back up the hill. All right, so uh, him and Papa had a little discussion. They're on the hill. Amen. I, I, I won the hill. I conquered it. But he was, uh, his pride, he, mm, I'm not going inside. You're not going to make me either. You know, things like that. So, uh, but the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything. Some of this verse, uh, some of us live in the opposite. <laughs> some of you are anxious in everything. <laughs> be careful to, to, in nothing, but no, we're, we're, we're anxious in everything. God wants us to bring our anxieties and our worries, our burdens, all to him and leave them there. So we're going to look. Real quickly, at seven places in the Bible, so get ready to turn with me real quick. There are seven places where the Bible commands us 
So those things that we're thinking about and comparing and getting sad and mad and prideful and all the worry that we have, God tells us seven places where to, to bring it to him, and he'll take care of it. Uh, and so God wants to do that. So seven places where the Bible commands us to either commit or cast our anxieties, worries, and burdens on him. Uh, the word commit, again, when I had the uh, Strong's Concordance out today, I was looking at it. Commit basically means to set before. In other words, you bring it to God and set it before him. So, okay, God, there you go. Hands off, mind off, let him have it. You know, some of you bring God your worry, and then you pick it back up, put it back in your pocket, and leave and worry all day long. No, set it before him. Uh, then it says here to deposit. Uh, I don't get to do that often, but, uh, you know, because it's already gone. If I do make a deposit, it's just to cover whatever's already out. But anyway, uh, deposit basically means to leave it in there and let it, let it be uh, and, and, and leave it. Uh, and then it says here to make overseer. In other words, you're giving God that anxiety, that worry, that burden. You're letting him oversee it. Uh, and then it says here to empty. In other words, just get rid of it. God, I'm going to give you this. I'm not worrying about it anymore. Uh, and trust him. Cast also means to cast away, cast down, cast forth. Uh, hurl, that's a good one. Hurl it at him. Throw it at him. And so let's go to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, we'll go through these real quick. And the first one is commit yourself unto God. Uh, in other words, some of you worry about yourself. How long, I'm gonna, how long am I going to live? How am I going to make it? How is this? How does people think about me? What, you know, am, do I have any friends? And you're thinking about yourself all the time. Kind of selfish to think about yourself all the time. And uh, uh, the Bible says we're supposed to die to self. Uh, and you know, Lester Roloff used to say all the time, uh, if, if I'm offended, it's my fault. You're not supposed to be able to offend a corpse. Uh, if they're dead, you can't offend them. He said, I've preached lots of funerals with them right there, and I've said things about them, and none of them's ever got upset with me uh, because we're supposed to die to self. So commit yourself unto the Lord. It says here in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So if you give your life to God, and we're... we're, we're commanded to in the Bible, we're encouraged to by our pastor. Uh, now, this is not how you get saved. You get saved by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and, and His righteousness imputed into you, and He's paid for all your sins. That's how you get saved. But once you do that, you're supposed to give your life back to Him. Present your body a living sacrifice. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So if you'll give yourself to God, He'll take care of it, and you won't have to worry about it. Uh, and again, I've seen people like this in, 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 in ministry, uh, uh, not going to make it. God proves himself time and time and time again. If you're doing what he wants you to do, he's going to take care of it. Uh, you know, none of his children go around begging bread. They're not anxious. They're not worried. Uh, they've committed themselves to God, so let him do it. So like money you put in the bank or like a gun that you put in a safe, let God have control of it. So you give him your life and don't take it back. This will help you not be so anxious. Number two, let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4.19. 1 Peter 4.19. Not only should we commit ourselves unto the Lord, we should commit our soul unto the Lord. And some of you, you you've doubted your salvation. Why? Because the devil's a stinking liar. You know, if you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins and to come into your heart and save you, he did. He's not a liar. He says, if you'll ask me to save you, I'll save you. And I'll keep you safe forever. But then you're like, man, I had a bad thought, or I said that word, or I, I, you know, and you, I don't know if I meant it, and you're anxious. No. Get it nailed down and forget it. 
right? He'll keep you. Uh, the Bible says here in 1 Peter 4, 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as also a faithful creator. He created the world. He can keep you saved. He created everything in it. He can keep you saved. Uh, and the Bible does say uh, that, you know, nobody can pluck you out of his hand. If he saved you, he saved you. Uh, and what we have to do is kind of like the, Hebrew, the, the three Hebrew children in Daniel 3, verse 1, or verse 16. It says here, King, O, o Nebuchadnezzar, what are? Or it says here, we are not careful. There it is right there. We're not anxious. We're not freaking out. We're not worried. We're not even burdened about it. King, we're not careful to answer thee according to, or answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God uh, will save, or, or whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace. And he will, uh, uh, us out of the hand, O king, or out of your hand, O king. In verse 18, it says here, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So we see these guys, they weren't anxious. Uh, they felt the heat. They knew what was fixing to happen, uh, but they weren't going to bow, but they weren't worried about it. Uh, in other words, kind of like John R. Rice. I heard about him one time out soul winning. Guy put a gun in his belly. And he said, you're not threatening me with heaven. Or, you know, how he does. You're not threatening me with heaven. Kind of like the Hebrew children here. If you shoot me, I'm going to heaven, so no biggie. You know, some of you, you know, you needed some pampers or, uh, or a wet wipe or something. <laughs> you know, if somebody was going to shoot you. Now, I'm not saying, you know, be stupid. But we got to let God be in control of our life and of our souls. Number three, let's go to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. So we commit ourselves unto God. We commit our souls unto God. Thirdly, we commit our spirit unto God. And the Bible has a lot to say about our spirit. Now, obviously, this is not the Holy Spirit. This is the lowercase spirit, our spirit. Uh, and the Bible tells us that we ought to control our spirit. If we can't control it, we're like a city with broken down walls. The enemy can come in and take what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. So we're supposed to be in control of our spirit. So some of us are like, oh, I'm trying to behave. I'm trying to say the right thing. I'm trying to, to, to make people like me. Just quit. Give that to God. Be close enough to him to let him teach you how to answer every man the Bible says and, and, and respond how he, what would Jesus do? That's how you do it. That way you're not having to worry about it. Psalm 31.5 says this, In thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. So I'm going to give him me and not worry about it. I'm going to live till I die. I'm not going to be dumb and try to rush it, but I'm going to live until I die. I'm saved. I ask him to save me. He saved me. I'm going to just let him have that. And here's my spirit. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I want to have the right spirit. I want to respond the right way. But the best way to do it is let him do it. Uh, and, stay, and just say, here, you help me. So let him control our spirit. And if he's in control of our spirit, uh, he'll, con he'll control everything about us. Uh, Proverbs 25, 8, 28, I quoted it a while ago. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. Uh, so we've got to let God... Control our spirit. Commit it to him. Right there in the book of Psalms, a couple more pages over, Psalm 37, 5. Not only should we commit ourselves, our soul, our spirit. Here's another one that we're supposed to commit to God. 
we are to commit our ways unto him. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So again, don't worry about it. Is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? Don't worry about it. Just commit it to him and let him. Uh, you know, again, pastor says this all the time. God's time is not always my time, and I want it now. <laughs> I want to do this now. Uh, and he said that God's taught him this, and he's learned this. Just give it to God. Give the ways to God, and he'll work them out. Uh, so don't be anxious about it. Don't be freaking out about it. Just turn it over to God. Do your part. Seek his will. Uh, commit your way unto him, and uh, you'll never go, go astray. So let's go to Proverbs now. We're working through uh, Proverbs 16.3. Proverbs 16.3, commit yourself, commit your soul, commit your spirit, commit your way. And Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So those thoughts that we worry about, we freak out, am I going to be able to do it? With God, all things are possible. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Just, just, just claim that verse and don't think about it. Am I going to be able to do it? Am I going to be? No. He will help you. Uh, again, just, I mean, anything for him. I, I used to think that. Am I going to be able to be a soul winner? Just go. He'll give you the things to say. He'll be with you. Uh, and, 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 and you learn, obviously, and then you get to where you're pretty good at it, and then you, you try to do it without him. <laughs> and then you have to learn, oh, I need you. I haven't arrived. <laughs> I had not got this down, but I need you to come. So you, he'll teach you those things. Uh, anything you do for him, any work that you do for him, give it to him. Say, God, you make me the best soul winner I can be. I'm not even going to worry about it. Uh, you make me the best singer I can be. I'm not even going to worry about it. You make me the best servant I can be. I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just committing my works unto you, and your thoughts shall be saved. So we see here, here's a statement. If, thy, if the workers have their works committed unto the Lord, there will be no clashing amongst the working. And anytime you have tiffs and feelings hurts uh, and, you know, aggravations going on it's just it shows that one of them doesn't have their works committed to the lord because if we give them to god the outcome's his uh, but if we're thinking we're comparing and we're looking at our works then there's going to be clashing well why do they get to do that or why that why don't i get to do that uh, you see it at your workplace all the time clashing and all it is is backbiting and trying to one uh, cut one's feet out from under each other and get, gain an edge, things like that. It ought not be that in God's, in, in God's work. Commit your work to the Lord and let him take care of all that. Uh, next, let's go back to Psalm. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Commit yourself, your soul, your spirit, your way, your works. And here's one, Psalm 55, 2. And I've mentioned this one, uh, commit or cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Uh, so sometimes uh, there's a burden that we have to carry. Uh, and again, we, we, we can look in the Bible and we see Job had them. Uh, there's some people that brought them on themselves, like David and, and uh, Samson and things like that. They had burdens, but they brought them on themselves. But there's some people that have burdens that didn't bring them on themselves. But we got to realize that God's still in control, and we, we, we are to cast our burden uh, on him, and he will take care of it. And so here's the little statement on that. If the Lord is our burden bearer, we would be free to bear one another's burdens because we're commanded in the Bible, bear one another's burdens. But if I have so much burden that I can't lift, how can I help you lift yours? But if I've taken my burden to Jesus and left it there, cast my burden on him, 
let him worry about it, then I can help you. I'm not under too much pressure. But you see people, they get this way. Uh, you know, they, they react when they're under burdens, whether it, be, whether it be physical burdens, whether it be a loss that they're going through or, or, or some hardship that they're going through. And they just, instead of giving it to God, they just let it, and they get anxious and they get worried, and maybe sometimes they even quit. Uh, but we, if we'll take that burden and cast it at his feet, let him do it, uh, then we'll be, we, we won't be anxious. God's going to take care of it. Don't know how, but he's going to take care of it. And what Paul say? This thorn in the flesh I've got, I, I wish you would take care of it. Nope. I'm, I'm serious. I wish you'd take care of it. Nope. He's probably getting a little anxious by this time. I'm worried about it. God, please. No, I'm not going to. But I will give you the grace to go through it. Okay. And he quit worrying about it. And he went on through and made it through the rest of his life. Uh, with that and so that's what we have to do cast commit your burden to the lord and he will take care of it and number seven the last one before we get to the conclusion uh first peter five seven we'll go back to first peter five seven. First peter five seven and this one says commit or cast your care unto god or upon god first peter five seven casting your care upon him for why for he careth for you uh again he's not doing it to to hurt you he's doing it to help you uh, you know obviously those of us that had parents that raised us biblically <laughs> uh, and those spankings were to help us not to hurt us now this world will tell you different uh, but we got to believe god instead of this world but casting our care upon him because he cares for you so now let's go back to first kings uh, for our conclusion First Kings for our conclusion. So we see here that we're supposed to, we're commanded in seven different places. Uh, some of us might be worried about ourselves. Am I going to make it? Am I going to fail? Am I, am, am I going to be successful? Just give yourself to God. He'll take care of it. Uh, you know, am I lost? Am I saved? You know, I, no. If you got saved, you're saved. Quit worrying about it. Quit letting the devil get you anxious about it. Put it in God's hand and leave it there. Uh, let God help you with your spirit. You know, some of you... Uh, you know, or, or, or I struggle in that area. Uh, you have a bad spirit. You have a defeated spirit. You have a, you know, offended spirit. No, give them to God and let him help you respond the right way. Uh, our ways should be given to him. Our work should be given to him. There are some burdens we have to carry. Give them to him. And why? Because he cares for us. Now we're back in 1 Kings 19. And we're looking at uh, uh, Elijah here again. In the first part, we saw that he, he used faulty thinking. He used faulty comparison. Uh, he, blame, he did the blame game, uh, and he exaggerated. Now we're going to see right here because he actually learned and did the right thing in the rest of the verse. And so let's look at verse 5 uh, through 8. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn over there myself and read them. I just had the, the phrases here, but uh, 1 Kings 19, here we go, 5 through 8. Verse 5 says this. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree. So we see here that he wasn't able to sleep at first because he was freaking out. She's going to kill me. She's, she, she, oh, I'm, I'm, it's done. It's over. All right, but he finally went to sleep. He wouldn't have been able to go to sleep if he was so anxious. He must have started learning something here. And so we see in verse 5 it says, And as he lay and he slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him. So when he started, he must have given it to God. And went to sleep. So then God starts working. 
and it touched him and said, Arise and eat. And so we see here that he, uh, uh, he rested in God. And this is what you're supposed to do. How, how do I, you, you commit it, do what you're supposed to do, cast it on him, commit it to him, all those things. And then have the mindset that I'm just going to, I'm, I'm letting God take care of me. I'm letting God take care of my soul. I'm letting God take care of my spirit, my works, my ways. I'm letting God take care of it all. I'm just going to rest. And God woke him up and said, all right, now you need to eat, need some strength. And so, of course, obviously, we can come to church after we've made those commitments, those castings. We'll come to church, and we're, we're, our, we won't be anxious. We'll be there, and we can, we can get fed. Uh, and then it says here, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and the, a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat, drink, and laid him down again. It says here, and the angel of the Lord came into him a second time. So he had freaked out, <laughs> and uh, God got on to him. And then said, now that I got your attention, uh, I've seen people freak out to the point that they, you know, I've seen people have to be slapped. They, they got their attention, all right? Or maybe they'll be freaking out and they got that, boy, now that always gave me chills up my backbone. You know, if I was like, it ain't fair, it's never real. Boy, yes, sir. <laughs> That's all he had to say uh, and, and things like that. So basically we see here that he, he got his attention. And uh, the second time, and he says here, and he touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. So God was giving him the strength. God's taking care of it. He cast it on him, and God's doing his part. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, uh, the Mount of God. So we see here he rested in God and got his strength back. Second thing, he, uh, let's go to verse 9. We, we're right there. We see here, not only did he rest in God, he released it. In other words, he had cast it out at God's feet. He had committed it to God, but he didn't take it back. Okay? You know, you tell the kid, give me that. You know, if they got a piece of candy, you know, they're going to be sitting in church. Give me that. <laughs> oh. uh, but anyway, they don't want to get rid of it. They don't want to let go of it. Uh, and, and we get that way. We like our, our defeatedness. We like our anxiousness because it, it excuses us, right? We don't have to do right. We don't have to do what God says because we're... You know, we're, we're messed up. We're anxious. We have a disease of some type. No, no, no. Okay? We give it to God and release it. Let it go. Verse 9 says this, And it came thither into, him, into a cave, and he lies there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. And he said to him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. And for the children of Israel hath forsaken the covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets, uh, with the sword, and I, even I, was left only to seek my life and, and, and to take it. Uh, and so we see here, he, he finally said, all right, this is, this is what I was doing. I was freaking out. I was anxious. I was burdened. I was scared. I was worried. And now I'm giving it to you. And then now, verse 11, we see not only did he rest in God and release it to God, he revisited God. In other words, he had a, I guess, a reset button that we, we get told a lot of times. Uh, we, we need a reset button. Uh, we need, to, we need to, to, to refocus. I need to, to, to bring it all into captivity. Uh, and that's what he did. In verse 11, it says here, uh, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break it into pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind of the earthquake, uh, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So we see here, he revisited God, and God told him to go forth and stand on the mount. 
Uh, and then uh, we'll go all the way down to verse 15, where we, we see here he, re, he was redirected for God in verse 15. And the Lord God said unto him, Go and return to, the, to thy way. And there it is right there. He had committed his way unto the Lord, but he had taken it back. But he told him, he said, Go and, and return to thy way. Uh, to the wilderness of Damascus, and then he went, and now came and anointed uh, Hazel in the, in, to be the king of Syria. So we see here he went. Uh, he was redirected. So this is what happens. If we allow the devil to, you know, make things loud, uh, you know, but what, how's the Holy Spirit speak in a small, still voice? The devil's going to make it loud and try to get us to be anxious and worried, and I can't do this, and uh, I'll never make it, and uh, I won't be able to stand before God. Just calm down. Give all that to God, and God says, hey, you rest in me. I got it. Release. Let it go. I got it. Uh, now, this is what you need to do. Go back up on that mountain, and you, you start preaching. You start doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, why? Because he says here, just cast all your care on me. Why? Because I care about you. Uh, I'm going to help you through. I'm going to see it through. And so, again, when we go through life, the devil's going to magnify stuff. We'll even magnify stuff on our own and and doubt and be confused and complain and compare and all those things that we're good at and the devil wins because we can't accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish because we're freaked out and we're worried and God's like hey just give it to me and you go and do this so it's up to us the plans in the bible uh whatever you're worried about give it to God uh that's that's all you can do and you got to be like the Hebrew children uh you know again if we get news that we're sick of some sort uh you know the devil's like that's it i mean if it is i'm going to heaven all right that's what they were saying but if so all right if if, if god doesn't come down here and get us out of this fiery furnace see you uh we're going to heaven uh and so that's the mindset that we're, we're we need to have we can be confident in the lord not in ourselves. devil you can make the, the the earthquake loud you can make the winds loud you can tell me i can't all you want to because God will help me do whatever he wants me to do because I've given it all to him. I'm not trying to figure out it on my own. I'm not trying to do it in my own power. I'm not trying to do it to be uh, you know, a pharisaical. I'm just giving it all to God and let God take care of it. Uh, and again, that's, that's a restful place to be. When he finally realized, hey, God's probably stronger than Jezebel. Uh, God could just take the air out of her breath, uh, out of her uh, lungs if he wanted to. Take the breath right out of there. Uh, he can kill her if he wants to. So I'm just going to leave it in his hands. Uh, he's a whole lot smarter, a whole lot stronger, and a whole lot wiser than I am. So if you think people go through life and then you think, well, they're just you know, oblivious. No, it might be that they're just at peace. They're just trusting God. You know, what are we going to do with the present we got? God's got it. What are we going to do about gas prices? God's got it. What are we going to do? God's got it. If you give it to him, he does. Some of you may still have it. And that's why you're going around. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? <laughs> Dude, relax. Give it to God. Trust him. It'll be a whole lot better. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you.